0: And I'm Carrie. And
1: this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crack. This is Book Club number, episode number 88, and our book is Kosserkin by Eduardo Albert. It tells the story of the, wait for it, Kosserkin, as they try to uh, liberate a planet from the Tau asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> we posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. And we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely go check it out before listening to this episode as we're going to be start discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. As always, did you like the book?
0: Loved it. This is going to be right now cuz it's and it doesn't it sucks cuz it's fresh, but this is like my big contender right now for book of the year.
1: This is Definitely. I think it's going to be my runner-up of the year. I enjoyed it so much. Um, It's really funny because it has three elements. Well, two elements in it that I straight up don't like. And one that I'm kind of meh on. I'm not a big Cadian fan. Um, Well, I I am and I'm not. I have some issues with Cadians.
0: Oh, I got plenty of issues with Cadians. And and, and this book actually touched on some of my issues with Cadians. But I still loved it.
1: Uh, I actually, and I bet we're going to discuss the same scene that stood out to us about that. Mm. Um, I actually loved it. I thought it was such a nice... Um, I loved it, but it also has the Tau, again, asterisk, and Necrons. <laughs> Not just Necrons, laid Necrons. Um, so somehow, this <laughs> mad lad took three elements that I was kind of like, on, and...
0: So honestly, when the necrons showed up, I was like, for F's sake, like, no, no, no. It was it kinda reminded me like when the Nids showed up in Void King. I was like, I I am not dealing with this. No, I don't want anything to do with this. And I kept going, I was like, that just kind of made a delightful like horror story. I kinda like that.
1: <laughs> Dude. Um so as soon as the mother was telling them, as soon as she was like uh, don't go into the mountain. I was like, oh, this is going to be a Necron tomb, isn't it? And then sure enough, when they talked about getting there and like the sands kind of vibrating, I was like, yep, that's a Necron tomb. Yay. Now see, I was but I kept totally thinking. surprised. I, was like, I kept thinking, I was like, no, the Necrons will not be in here because it says Tau.
0: <laughs> there were no Tau. I, there were no... The Tau were there in spirit.
1: Communism was just a red herring. <laughs> Yes,
0: very much so. <laughs>
1: the tower, just a blue weeboo. Anyways, um, I <laughs> just go with it. Um, I was like, no, that's not going to be the thing. And then they showed up, and of course, the first chapter is when you get to see um, Nabucumek. And I was like, oh, you, this bastard's going to make me care about a Necron. Oh my god, I have very mixed feelings on this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as soon as that, I had a very similar reaction to you, where I was like, "Oh no, really? Nope." It turned into such a wonderful, delightful horror story, and it had the croot.
0: It had your Look. birds, your bird boys.
1: It had my bird boys. They're like really grumpy Turians. I didn't funny.
0: think about it that way, but but yeah, yeah yeah how did you how did you like that one line clever birds
1: clever birds yep that one and on that day my heart grew three sizes
0: like i was listening to it i was like nice nice
1: that's right so my husband and i were listening to it aloud and um, we actually did the because carrie sold me on the audio version because she was like oh it has a really great scottish narrator oh well, let's check it out and um definitely liked it but when he said that both my husband and i went nice awesome and um so what part stood out to you
0: a lot um i mean there were so many twists and turns that i that i didn't see coming um and maybe that's. and i had to ask a friend i was like am i just dumb or did you see this coming too he's like no i did not see this coming but just um because I was kind of, you know, expecting this to be more of almost like Bioshock in a way, where it's like more about the environment and the planet and how they're trying to survive on this sand planet. Because, man, I had a hard time in the beginning, like when uh, Roshant and um, Abasekara are dragged under the sand, because, you know, that's an irrational fear. You know, like, stupid quicksand is an irrational fear. and
1: it's an irrational fear of mine, too. I blame Scooby Doo.
0: Honestly, I blame my elementary school because every now and then, like, they would have us read, like, these, like, I don't know, readers, not readers digest, but it was like these, like, real news stories. And they and there was always like these natural disasters or, you know, these terrifying things. And there were a couple that were about quicksand and how quicksand would, like, you know, swallow up whole trains. And it was just an irrational fear, like, oh, my God, and how to survive if you actually do get into quicksand and. You know, and then you know, I saw the Princess Bride when he you know they dive into the quicksand. I'm like, this is not, God. this is not okay.
1: No, um, so you and I were talking actually before the podcast. You were talking about how this book tapped into a couple of your irrational fears. Um, when um is, is it Prater? Yeah, when Prater dies under the sand, I was like, oh no, yeah, yeah, um, definitely one of my irrational fears. And even though, like, alas, Prater, we we did not know you long enough. Um, But I was very upset by it And part of it is because that is Seriously one of my trigger issues Yeah, that was um. Mm-hmm. The book had a lot of nice little Horror elements like that the Yes
0: one of them. Yes, I mean I, I, Yeah Yeah, Go I ahead. mean, there's really like Nothing I hated About it, because even when I was like I hate the Necrons, and I hate this. Can't wait, they brought this in there. And it turned out to be, like, really, really good. It... The book, you know, kind of like... Um, oh, my gosh. Nick Hein book. Knights of McCrag. Like, it kind of felt like it was in two parts, you know? So, the first part, the horror story, was the planet. And the second part was when they're trapped in the mountain with the Necrons. And I, it just... It's kind of funny because Lights from a Crack. Also, the second part was with the Necrons, but yeah. So, uh, just very, very well done overall. Very
1: well done. Um, I think the biggest part that stood out to me, and this is definitely going to come up again in the awards, the dinner party. Um, that whole thing. Most was...
0: awkward situation ever, where everyone's oh. just like, "We don't know what to do." <laughs>
1: I could not help it, though. Like, I kept imagining the dinner party from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. Like, I kept imagining (laughs) Nibusamek as, like, doctor (laughs) Frankenfurter, Like, sitting around, like, isn't this lovely? And everyone's like, no. No, it's not. Um, But I also, like, I do love when he's just like, all right, is everyone ready for dinner? And they're all like, yes.
0: Actually, what it kind of reminds me of
1: Absurd scene. It goes around the horn to being. I mean, like it's absurd in the best of ways, right? Right. Like. Oh my
0: god! (laughs) Actually, the what actually made me think of like a a comparable dinner party is from um, I think it was the latest Secret Wars from Marvel. So this was like a while ago. Is when we had uh, a Stevel and. hank pym who's also you know merged with ultron like basically like kidnaps a whole bunch of them like the enemies and the and the good guys to have dinner and he's wearing an apron that said kiss the overlord (laughs) and he's basically forcing them to eat and talk things out which is you know kind of not really what uh comic book characters do but that just kind of reminded that like no one wants to be there. They're so awkward. No one knows what to do or say. But they also know that the host could kill them at any minute. <laughs> so
1: like when Obasekara, when he and Obasekara, when he sits up and they're like and was standing at his full height. Yeah. He came to the Necron Lord's chest. <laughs> like this person wields tremendous power.
0: And he's um, like, I was dead. I I know I was dead. <laughs> like
1: That that chronomancy, though, um, it, oh my god, and so that, that dinner party scene, yeah, definitely prepare to hear about that in the awards ceremony, because that scene, like, that hit so many of, like, like boxes. Oh
0: my god, and when check couldn't eat, and they're like, you need to eat, and he's like, I can't, like, he's been poisoned by something he ate. (laughs) This
1: is amazing. Oh, when he goes, Kill me. And, no, and Nibusamek goes, well, the food isn't that bad.
0: <laughs> and he's like, no, oh. no, no. He's been poisoned by something he ate. And he's looking at him. He's like, oh, I see what the problem is. Like, <laughs> it's no
1: big deal. It's, because remember, Nibusamek even thinks he's like, oh, it's the scarabs in his belly. Oh, well, I'll just fix that. Like, I know he's gone, but the fact that that doesn't even... Phase, no pun intended. Uh, no. That doesn't even phase him. He's just like, oh, take care of that anyways. And I love that Check is like, thank you? Like, doesn't know what to say? Yeah. None of them do. Risen, his, his response is
0: like, I, I'm in your debt. And Nabusmek's like, well, of course you are. You're one of my
1: explorers. <laughs> He's like, duh. Um,
0: oh, but you have the best thing. manners
1: scene is so wonderful because it's already weird that you have the guard working cooperating with the crew not unheard of but you know I mean not super common either and they're being entertained by a Necron
0: I think it was one of those situations like if we're gonna get out of here alive with these flayed ones because even the crew were just like no 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 no, <laughs> we want oh nothing God. to do I with love this the
1: whole conversation when they first find the flayed and they're like can we, can we eat it Like, when they're like, oh, yeah, the guy got killed. Oh, we need to go eat him. No, 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 no. the flayed got him. Can we eat those? Nope. I mean, yes, but also no.
0: (laughs) But he told him, he's like, never. You can't eat these. Never.
1: Necrons are not food. (laughs) Please don't eat the necrons. Um, The other thing that I have to mention about this book that I love. So one of my favorite things, and if Eduardo Albert is listening to this, please know that I mean this in the highest compliment. It's going to be a weird comparison here. so bear with me. Um, being a woman of a certain age, uh, as a teenager, uh, two of my two movies I really liked were Clueless and 10 Things that I Hate About You, which of course are just modern retellings and respinnings of Emma and Taming of the Shrew respectively. I really like when stories, books, movies, whatever managed to take like a classic piece, use it as a diving off point, and then bring it into a time or a setting. So, like, the beginning of this book, I was, like, going through the dune checklist, right? I was like, oh, yes, mystical substance that basically runs the entire world and they use it for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check. Oh, people with blue eyes who have a mystical... Uh,
0: no, cerulean.
1: Cer- <laughs> cerulean. It's um, a wonderful word, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, like, check, right? Uh, it's very dangerous for the outsiders. Mm, check. Uh, There's, like, these mystical, weird creature things that live under the sand that they control. Mm, Yeah, check. Uh, And then it changed. And then it was, like, he he took it in this whole other direction. And as you said, it goes from two parts of, like, this planet is trying to kill us because it's inhospitable to, yeah, the the demented robots are trying to kill us.
0: So, actually, you mentioned something there with your Dune comparison, and Mm. that actually tapped on the one complaint I have. I feel like we didn't have any resolution or anything with the Aussad. We never got to see what it was. Like, I was kind of hoping that maybe that was going to be the thing that, you know, took the crew or whatever in the end. But we just know it's there and then nothing comes of it. That was like a little disappointing.
1: I think a lot of it, one of the things that I was, that my husband and I were talking about was when we got to the end of the book is I was like, What's really interesting about this, and we're gonna talk a lot more about this, life just kind of goes on. Like, okay, you just had this bizarre adventure, all of this craziness, all of this weirdness, and life just goes on. You still got the planet to deal with, you still got these people to deal with, the tower's still out there for you. Like, okay, okay. what next? So let's talk about Obesecure, uh as a character. As a leader? Did you like him? Was he good?
0: But uh every time he, the narrator said his name, I was like, "Obisanya? No, Obi
1: I kept saying Obadiah. Oh. <laughs> Very well, different.
0: Well, uh, any Ted Lasso fans out there will will get that. But um I did. And at the end, I was like, if they kill him, I am going to lose it.
1: I was going to riot. This, my review for this book would be wholly different if he would have died, especially when when they talked about him not seeing the um, the wire,
0: the filament. The wire, yeah,
1: the filament. When he didn't see the monofilament, I was like, "Don't you dare!" And they just took his foot off. And then when his when the bull pistol blew up and they talked about him getting the the shrapnel, I was like, "Don't you dare!" It was
0: like they were trying their hardest to kill the guy, you know. They really did try, I mean, but they gave it a college try. I mean, like, the quicksand, the Necron.
1: The guy's hard as nails, man.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is the Kazarkan, right?
1: I really liked him, though, and I think this was a scene that both probably grabbed both of us. I do like when um when Prater died, and um they were like, we don't, we're Cadians, we don't leave people behind. And Obisacris says, we did on Cadia. Like, yeah, we do leave people behind. Don't be asked tonight. And, uh, with, well, Cadia stands. Right. And now we focus on the here and now. Um, one of the things I do think that... Well, and says,
0: what are you going to do? You don't know where he went.
1: Yeah. He went under the sand. Like, are you going to, like, dig... You're going to spend a lot of time and resources in the heat with water being a problem, you're going to dig for this man? Like, I feel as though the Cadians, especially ever since KDFL, um, I feel as though there's this lean towards making them morose and making them melancholy.
0: Well, there's Um, there's that, and then there's the whole um, we don't like other people, Mm -hmm. which we really saw in Steel Tread. Uh, which, like you know, just really hacked me off in, in Steel Tread. Like I didn't like that one character, and then I really didn't like her, and then she gets off scot free. And while I understand why she gets off scot free, it still just kind of pisses me off because she had no reason for hating her new commanding officer except the fact that she's not Kadian. That's some serious BS. And even here with the Kazarkin, even though Obisecra is a Kazarkin and is Kadian. He's not from their original group. So they push back against him. It's like, you guys are beyond ridiculous. And that was kind of, you know, and that's kind of been my problem, problem with the Cadians. But I thought Oba you know, handled it very, very well. And the crazy thing is, is that kind of like in Steel Tread, you know, with them, especially Malik doing his little backdoor deals and kind of undermining Oba pretty much got, her, got most of them killed to begin with. Like Malik. like when Gunser killed that crut, and Roshan's like, why did you do that? Like there was no reason for us to be fighting each other. I was like, oh well, Malik told me to. And besides, we'll just be thinking for ourselves, and we should just be doing this. And like, no, and because he did that, then the general kills kills you know kills him. That didn't need to happen either. But he, you know. So, but he
1: had to because you because that's his ticket out. And well. we'll talk definitely talk well more well,
0: about- well right but i'm saying like if he hadn't shot that crew then he wouldn't have been killed at least not right then
1: no exactly because i mean you know yes basically he's not unreasonable right he just he's just done with the imperium he's just done and he just wants to get out of there and i will say <laughs> That as soon as they were like, but why would a general be flying out in that area in the beginning of the book? I was like, because he's defecting to the Tau, obviously. And then we meet him and I'm like, oh, well, shoot, maybe I really misjudged this character. And then like you keep going through the book. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, I, uh, like, I think he is defecting. I don't think he's defecting. See, is he? I did
0: he's. not see that coming and at he defected, I was like, all.
1: Well, all right. But he was more reasonable about it than I It wasn't uh, okay, I'm killing all of you guys because I'm defecting. He was more like, look, I don't, I don't want to kill you guys. I just don't want to be part of the Imperium anymore. But he wasn't a bad guy. He was just, he was just done. His timer was done. And you under, and I understood it. We'll talk a lot more about that whole thing. But I liked that Obi sekra he was disappointed, but kind of like, he was probably the most respectful of the characters, right? He respected the natives' way. He respected yeah. the Prute's way, right? When Check is like, "Okay, we're gonna sit here and we're going to, um, we're going to do a duel, right? Like, All right, okay, we're gonna do a duel." Like, there's honor in this, right? Um, he was just a very respectful character, which I thought made him a good leader. But maybe he needed to be a little tighter handed with the Casican.
0: I think he thought he <laughs> was he was like you know honestly he was doing his best with what was going on because everything went ploin shaped so fast you know um yep. you know they he and he really was trying because like when he heard them referring to um amazai as a savage he was like don't you oh, right. say that
1: he's Like, he's gothic
0: like they're like well what do you care i'm like they're still human like don't call him that like he can he can understand so he tried the thing is is that they were never going to really respect him because again he's not one of their Kazarkin
1: which Mm -hmm. is again
0: like I've said this like a million times now that's my problem with the Kadians
1: like yeah then that's fair they're a very clicky yes and I kind of I thought Steel Tread did kind of a good job of explaining it with like we're now a dying race we're we're dying like, there are no more of us. And I think there's a lot of pride there and a lot of fallen pride. And so I liked that obi sekara was like, you know what? I'm one of you. And no, I'm not having any of this right now. I thought it was great. Comparing him with Roshant, how did you feel about him as a commissar? Like, how did you feel yeah. about his whole character arc? So- Which I would say kind of goes like this.
0: I mean, it, it, he was he was a very interesting character because he starts off, you know, as your typical, you know, commissar, like I know best and blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, but he also has something to prove, right? Because his father is the, the Lord Militant. I might imagine that'd be hard for anybody in the Astra Militarum, whether you're a commissar or not. I'm
1: um, to present him as your classic spoiled rich kid. Right. The yeah.
0: The I system. mean, you know, because Malik pointed out, he's like, his pistol is worth more than all our, our lives, like, put together. And he was like, well, this is just, you know, this is how it is. But I uh, like, you know, Roshant, he um, started to come into his own, you know, and I thought it was kind of funny because they would, you know, call him a coward and he was acting like a coward, but it was really funny because I kept thinking about um, Caiaphas Cain he always says he's a coward but and Caiaphas Cain says he's always looking for escape exits but when he needs to do something he actually does it and Roshant has to be like encouraged to go do it and that's because he's scared and it's almost like he came right out of the skullum and you know the officio prefectus like here's your first assignment he's you know it's like I'm going to do this you know kind of like we're reading a bookkeeper skull you know, first assignment, fresh right. off the block We're going to do this this way Oh crap, nothing is going right Like this should be a very simple search and rescue Mission that Was really anything but
1: Well and Yeah, and I, I think He also really set him up to be the character Who The Cadians by and large Like I imagine if you're a commissar Being a Cadian commissar Like the commissar for the Cadians Would be a pretty easy gig really. You don't really have to shoot anyone. They're right. very they're renowned for being very loyal. They're renowned for being very hardworking. They have this kind of do-or-die mentality. As a commissar, you're basically there to make sure they don't commit blasphemy, right? And um, you, I got the impression that he had, yeah, he was either fresh from the column or he had just had a lot of really cushy assignments. Right. Oh yes, I'm in charge here. Were you just Blaspheming son? Okay, anyways, I'm going to
0: go off now. Um, well, I mean, like when uh, Obasekura was, you know, making a deal with the mother. And he was like, D- you just communed with the witch. And Obasekura just takes a chance. <laughs> he hadn't read all the debriefing materials and makes up on the fact, oh, well, then you missed on page 100. But they said the Inquisition over 100 years ago already made it pact with this and blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, whether they really had or not, obviously they, they wouldn't have. But there was no reason to pick a fight. Like these are the people that are harvesting the aqua vitae that you guys want so badly. Why pick a fight with this woman who happens to be a sigurd? She's not hurting anybody.
1: <laughs> and like you can tell that he is still very naive.
0: Oh, Roshant? Very, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, and very idealized, right? Um we do not we do not suffer the witch. <laughs> we kind of suffer the witch when they're the ones harvesting the stuff that our Imperium has decided is a necessary item, then yeah. And do you think this is the only planet that has fun? No. Obisakra, you get the impression, is a little more world worldly.
0: He's experienced. Like, he understands. Like yeah. Sometimes that you <laughs> some, sometimes you have to do things that are against, you know, the codex or whatever to to survive. And if it's mm-hmm talking with a witch so they can survive, great. If it's, you know, partnering up with the crew so they can all, you know, not be skinned alive, awesome. We're going to do this.
1: Right? Like, he's he's very pragmatic. And, which I think also makes him a good leader. Right. Because he's very pragmatic. And Roshan, I was really surprised. Because, again, I thought they were going to, like, I had a, I felt as though he was going to be your classic spoiled, rich kid, product of nepotism. And one of two things is going to happen. Either he's going to reveal himself to be a coward and die horribly, or he is going to essentially try to wrestle command away from Obisacra or Obisacra and be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is where, you know, like I'm taking over now, you're unfit, and then that's going to become a source of conflict. And that's not what happens at all.
0: Yeah, it was kind of nice.
1: It was very nice, actually. Um, Talk about subverting expectations. Well, especially
0: with that scene where Malik is like buttering him up and talking about how, you know, you might have a target on your back and it's like, Oh no, none of my men, but you know, we don't know about Obisacra just kind of planning that scene. I was like, what is Malik doing? Is he like trying, is he trying to obviously trying to get rid of Obisacra, but is he going to do it like through the commissar? So like you said, like, with the commissar being like, all right, that's it. You're not fit. You know, I, this guy's been talking to my ear and I'm listening to him. So I'm going to make sure that you're dismissed or whatever
1: exactly that's exactly what i was expecting to happen when that scene happened i was like oh but what is your angle here it has to be just to kill lobisakra and i i liked that that's not what happened and i like that yeah in the end i like when malik right when malik's just like you weren't gonna kill him come on don't worry about it i'll go kill the crew we'll be done he pauses he struggles with it but then ultimately kills malik and i do like when the mother tells him that you know compassion is not, or mercy (laughs) not. And not
0: only that, but he kills Malik to save the Kroot. To save the Xenos. Because the Xenos, and and that's where he grew when he realized we don't need to kill the Xenos. They haven't done anything to us.
1: Right, and the Kroot the Kroot occupy a very interesting space in the Warhammer 40k universe because they are Xenos and ergo we do not like, we do not suffer the Xenos to live. However, They are kind of that true neutral
0: group. Oh, 100%.
1: Like, they they buddied up to the Tau because the Tau utilized them as, you know, trackers and snipers and warriors and, okay, great. Um, And they like that relationship, but they're not like diehard Taoists, right? They're just kind of like, this is a mutually beneficial relationship to us, but they're very mercenary.
0: Right. And And we saw that in Caiaphas Cain as well.
1: Yes. And that's in uh, the Blackstone Fortress series. Yes. Um, by Darius Hinks. It's got a Kroot friend. Um, the Crute are—they're just a very. I, they're one of the more interesting Xenos races, I think, in the 40k universe. So I joke a lot that I just love my bird people. I really just like them as a race. And you're absolutely right. When Rochant is like, "No, you can't go and kill them. Like we've been through so much with them." And obi made a deal with these people. Whether you like it or not, they made. A, we made a deal with this person.
0: It's like not yeah. only that, but you know they had the, the duel. You know the the general interfered, and the crew were just like, "That's it. You know what? We're done with you. You've made us liars. You've like ruined our honor. We had so many of our kinban die because of you. We're done. We're done. You're not worth whatever we're gonna get from the Tao. So we're we're done. So the,
1: exactly.
0: And they were not and. You know they were just going to leave. They weren't going to try to collecting the humans for their feast or anything like that. They were just done. they were just going to go, and <laughs> Malik just, couldn't you know, let it go. no. Just oh, let it go. because I mean, Malik's like I know best. That's how how he was with with everything. Like you know, telling Gunsir to go and yes, you know, scrag them when they come up. Oh, which which does what? Like you guys were using them very. You're. You're going to scrag the crew that's actually climbing up the walls to see where all the enemies are? Like, that's not very smart.
1: Oh, it's just in general very dumb. Like, they have proven themselves to be valuable allies. And look, you guys don't have to be best friends. You're no. not inviting them to your Sanguinola feast. But you guys can cross like ships here. You can acknowledge that what just happened here what happens in the tomb stays in the tomb right and we're just gonna go our separate ways here like this has been a crazy day their death literally serves no purpose so i loved that i loved that as an arc for him i liked that he just he just he's a he's a commissar and he's not necessarily afraid to do his job but he i just don't get the impression that he's an actual commissar like at heart he is not i don't think he necessarily has the heart to be a commissar Although maybe now he does now that he's killed Malik. Um, right. So what did you think? What did you think about the Crude? Uh, what did you think of Tech in general um, as a character? Did you did you like Tech? Um, did you like his group? Did you find the whole Alliance interesting, compelling?
0: Oh, I, I, absolutely. Uh, really, because uh, the the Crude are such a bad name. I think it's my biggest problem with the Crude. I just hate that word. It just I don't know. Um, funny things about the crew. So you said that, you know, they made you think of like, you know, they're just angry Turians. What they actually make me think of are the, um, sniping the Yar from, um, Halo that are basically, there's these bird-like aliens that are part of the Covenant that are also snipers. They're ship, they're usually their females are ship mistress, ship mistresses. like when the Covenant gets broken up, they're kind of like, we just want to make money. And we don't care who we do business with. So that's really kind of what the crew remind me a lot of. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I didn't like check at first, you know, because I see what's going on here. They're going to kill everybody. And I kind of don't like that. But it was really when they all got trapped in the mountain. And they're like, first of all, how did we get here? And secondly, um, where are the humans? How can we get the general? And then when they realize... We're way over our head here with these with these Necrons and the flayed ones, and we have we have to go. Like we need to find a way out, and yeah, if, sure. and if these people are going to help us. Then then great. Um, you know, and especially like to, at the end when you know Chuck leaned over and like was trying to help uh, Obisakara up. And it's like I'm really glad that you lived. But
1: that was the nicest note to end that relationship on Mm -hmm. that um i loved how pissed he was with the general when the general he's just like no you have made a liar of me this is dishonorable and of course the general's like who cares (laughs) Mm. you maybe should have read your briefing packets a little better on the crew because that's like serious to them they are definitely a warrior cast and they are one of the things that I always like about alien races, and this isn't all science fiction, I like when alien, seemingly barbaric, alien races are presented as having a very rigid social structure. Like, the, the crew to the humans, they eat their enemies, they eat their own kin. Um, they seem, they're very avian, right? They they seem very barbaric. I, I kind of like the uh,
0: the mood feathers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, the quills. I friggin' love that. That whole concept, the way they flash through the colors, I think that is great. Like, it's such a neat little thing, but they, they're very alien. They're very, they seem very barbaric, this whole, like, they're, again, the fact that they eat, eat people and even their own people. Um, and yet, they do have this very rigid society and these rules for themselves, right? Um, it reminds me of... Uh, I don't know if you remember that scene. I think it's in season two of Boardwalk Empire when there's the uh, the Jewish butcher, when they have that guy that they've been torturing and it's time to kill him. And um, he hands the knife to, uh, I can't even think of his name right now, but it was the main character that they killed, um, hands the knife to him. And he's like, you have to kill him. And he's like, why would I kill him? And he goes, it's Trey. Every man's got rules. <laughs> he's this brutal brutal mobster and yet he has a code and he has rules um which I guess actually now that I say that I not really I guess that makes them lawful neutral the crew they do have a code um and then that was such a nice one he's like I'm glad you lived like I was about to, I was prepared to kill you five minutes ago <laughs> in the hunt, like you got the impression that had he killed him he would have been sad about it
0: well I mean but it was nothing personal
1: it was strictly business
0: the whole thing, like there was nothing personal about it. None of it was personal. It's like we were hired to do a job and we're gonna do a job.
1: Yeah, we were hired to pick up this guy and um you guys just kinda got in the way. Like, happy accident. I also did like when he was begging to be killed because he was freaking out that those scarabs were gonna burst out of him and basically kill his kinmates mm-hmm. and everybody else there. He's like, I'm. I'm basically a living bomb at this point. Like, we have you have to kill me. Very selfless. Very. And it wasn't like he was like upset or scared about it. He was just like, all right, this is going to happen. Now. Well, it was. A, it
0: was a risk. It was a calculated risk that he knew could happen, though.
1: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I did like the relief when he was like, "Oh my god," <laughs> when Nabusebek saves him. Um, but I thought. And it's hard for me to tell I'm glad you enjoyed it too because I'm like I'm just so partial to the the crew that I'm like this is amazing um, as soon as we had a point of view care, a chapter from him this is awesome
0: What's Well, as soon as the crew entered the scene I was like well Jen's happy
1: <laughs> Jen's very happy so despite the whole setup of this book being the Tau <laughs> yeah the Tao make little presents in this book. In fact, they make zero presents, really. Other than that one scene with their uh, tiger shark out there.
0: Oh, right, right, right. I almost forgot about that.
1: Right. Uh, I do, too, almost, actually. Um.
0: <laughs> that was just kind of like the setting. Like, they're here. They're, they're mm-hmm.
1: here. We're here to kind of deal with them and, like protect this world and make sure that they don't take it over, but then we stumbled across Necrons. Um surprise. Worst surprise ever.
0: Um, <laughs> Nobody likes the surprise from the Necrons.
1: Nobody likes the surprise. That's actually probably
0: Necrons. my favorite line from um Atoyesa. When they're in the cave and he turns around and he's like, I think what's in here is worse than what's out there and they just talk about the green light. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, when he's just like, oh no. Um, and of course, the is the first time they see one of the flayed, I was like, oh, no. It had to be, did it work for you?
0: It did. And like I said earlier, like, I was, like, really unhappy that they showed up, but then it turned out to be really great.
1: Agree completely. Um, I think right now, you know what I... the flayed was so hot right now.
0: I'm I'm, um, I'm sorry interrupt um right. so one thing i really liked you know nabuse Samek, you know he was so concerned about this infection i'm really curious what the infection was you know what he thought it was because obviously it from our was, point of from our point of view it would be the flayed ones right because they're actually passing it on as they're waking up other necrons
1: it was freaky
0: uh yeah but could it also have been like because his people are the infection is the metal because he couldn't see that he was now metal too that he, uh, he's like these are the hands i've always had what are you talking about Mo- moving on so that was just a random thing like what was the infection he was thinking of
1: yeah we're going to talk more about nubusamek in a second because he he warrants his own topic because oh, there was so much to unpack and so much going on there um i feel like we've seen the flayed ones a lot lately i mean we read ruin and well, ruin.
0: Yeah, that, that's the big reason why that was because of those necron book those two necron books that actually kind of really went one, into the the flayed one curse.
1: We saw them in the Uriel Ventress book. We saw them in
0: oh right, Sword of Calth.
1: What's that other book that we saw them in? Oh, it was um, Get You Some Chartreuse. Oh, um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, we've seen them a bit in the last year, I would say. And um, so when they when they first appeared, I was like, oh, God, not again. Um, but I thought it worked. Very well. I still
0: have my Christmas present of the totally normal ultramarine that a friend sent me.
1: Our friend Ross is a troll of trolls. Like he's the boss yeah. level troll. All the other trolls have to fight him. Yeah. And we love him for it. Um I thought it worked really well and this dovetails nicely into Nabusamec because it <laughs> half of the part half of part two definitely was the horror. You were correct. It was a, a classic monster story with these I mean, really, it was kind of akin to a classic zombie story with, there is this horrible undead presence in there that will kill us. It will mess us up. It is, this is very bad and very dangerous lurking, but he humanized for lack of a better word, humanized it so well with Nabusamek, and just this, this person with dementia, um, he hit me really hard, I think, because my grandmother had suffered from dementia. And so listening to him, just it really broke my heart. Just listening to this oh. Um, Like when, when the world when uh, world mind is like, look in the mirror. What do you see? And he's like, why are we doing this? I see the same thing I've always seen. Maybe a few more wrinkles here and there. Yeah. Because
0: um, honestly, before that actual point, I couldn't tell who was malfunctioning. Like, is it Nabusebek or is it the world mind, like, rebelling against him? But it was at that moment with the mirror. It's like, oh.
1: Because they kept saying. And then the
0: world mind said, I miss you, sir. And Nabusabek's like, I miss me too. Like, just, like, was that a moment of lucidity or is he just echoing, you know?
1: Well, and that's what I wonder. Like, when it comes to the infection, is there some part... Some part of his lucid mind that knows he knows there is something wrong with his people, he knows that it is transmuting. But does he think it's a cancer? Does he think it's right the flu? Does he think it's COVID? Um, like what does he think the is flayed going ones around? are the
0: worst case of COVID ever?
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's COVID 22, right? Well. Um, they, um, it just. It, the, it's little things like that, and I like I was with you too because those first few chapters when he talks about how he sighed and he breathed in and stuff like that, I was like, that's not
0: normal. No, but it kind of reminded me of so something that was talked about, you know, in the um, other Necron books. Can't remember the main character's name, but how he would talk about how he would forget that he doesn't breathe and he would have these moments. So. I was like, maybe that's just a comfort for him if he's been here by himself for, you know, 60 million years. Maybe that's just a comfort for him to imagine himself breathing or something. Um, But I wasn't sure. I, I, I wasn't sure. Now, one thing I am curious about, though, is that if the world mind knew that he was malfunctioning, why did the world mind bring those people in there? I don't know if on some...
1: Because remember when he's like, well, you know, we need to check for the expedition in world minds like the expedition we sent out 60 million years ago like right i mean i don't know if maybe he thought it would help like maybe he thought that like look i just i just want my master to be happy here maybe you're going to some expeditioners yeah for but
0: then you. he didn't even bring them in like
1: he's <laughs> just maybe he was like okay maybe this will wake him up i don't know like maybe or or maybe just kill him and put him out of his misery like just put him down man like like again like old yeller him right like just come in please deal with this problem because world mind world mind made me so sad in general and i was with you i was like okay so this is either Mm -hmm. how have corrupted him maybe he's just been corrupted over the years and then I think it's the third chapter of Nabusa ne- where he talks about feeling the sand beneath his feet. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. It's him. It is definitely him. And, within, and then you get to that point and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, all these conversations with world mind suddenly make a whole lot more sense like when he was like well like it's hard for me to tell who's infected or not well how is it hard for you to tell I'm talking to you right now and i can't let you know that you're infected more or less right like if i killed all the infected i'd be killing you or like when he when he reveals that the whole dinner party was a right. show but he's like,
0: holographic but again that goes to what does the world mind think the infected are and what does Nibusamek think the infected are
1: I think the world mind 100% knows because remember he kind of says he's like it's kind of you buddy I'm sorry right Um, but
0: the real infection though, is the flayed ones
1: right I mean I think he, he world mind definitely knows I don't know what Nibusamek thinks it is I don't know if he and I did like the whole argument where he's like aha if you don't want me to go out, you know that means I'm alive, because then I could catch it. And he's like, You got me. (laughs) You got me, sir. Like, it was, he was, he was that close to getting some revelation there, and then just, alright, you got me. Flawless logic. You got me. That also broke my heart, though. Because, again, I'm just like, oh, I'm caring about a necron. It's, to me, this, is, <laughs> alas, we knew you too, li- too, too too short. Um, He's in, what, half the book? Maybe a quarter of the book, really, if you add up all of his chapters. Mm-hmm. Is it a, quarter of, a book, the quarter of the book? Yeah. And it was a more touching, more compelling, more relatable slash connectable story than I think any of the other Necron i thought seen. you're
0: about <laughs> to say it was a better love story than twilight
1: it was a better love story than twilight a uh, world mind and nabuse were a better love story than twilight um <laughs> i feel as though a lot of times the necrons kind of get wrapped up in that my empire is crumbling and i used to be powerful and oh we used to be feared and blah blah blah, blah. um oh you guys awkward. were still
0: feared just for different <laughs> reasons yeah
1: oh oh honey you don't have to worry about the fear um but I, I feel as though a lot of it is that kinda of Grey Gardens mentality of like we used to be royalty. Uh whereas this guy it's it's more tragic because he still thinks he's royalty.
0: Um, he's more of like a scientist. He's like, I'm here playing with sand.
1: Right, but I mean like when like as we were talking about earlier, when the crew are like, I owe you a debt. Well of course you do. Like like these are these are the people who serve me. This is my expedition fleet. Oh, how lovely. Um he still very much thinks he's this, like, big deal. Um, I do love the Necrons, though, because I do love that the epilogue was great. Like, well, what are we going to do about the sand? Oh, it's okay. We'll just wait for the sand to go away. Well, how long is that going to take? Oh, it's like three million years. I don't know. Give or take 200,000. Oh, now what else are they going to do? Oh, the Necrons are wacky. This is uh, so funny
0: because even then with, like, him... You know, thinking he's a, you know, a biological creature and him still saying like three million years is no big deal. It's like it never like that leap of logic doesn't even like compute in his head. Nope. It's kind of fascinating.
1: It's really fascinating, especially after he had just had that giant leap of logic, right? Of if I can catch a disease, that means I'm alive. <sighs> but then, oh, just three million years. Not a big deal. Right. Like,
0: I mean, now that I know how I can keep, you know, my little solar system together with water, it's all good.
1: So, one of the interesting themes that kind of goes throughout the book is Malik's, Obisekras, and Atoyas's, their worldview about the Imperium. What they think of the Imperium, right? You have who is basically ready to go over to the towel because he's like, yeah, the Imperium is just uncaring, doesn't give a crap about any of its people. This is horrible awful. I'm choosing the peaceful opportunity which I'm like, oh, bless your heart. Um, yeah, and today, enjoy the uh,
0: slave labor camps, just saying.
1: Yeah, enjoy the caste system mm-hmm. and the mind control that keeps you happy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, technically your life will be at peace. Um, and then you have, after they've, after they've stripped all the knowledge from your skull, um, right. then you have Malik who kind of acknowledges that, but he doesn't want it to fact, he just wants to go to a planet where- He wants to retire,
0: essentially. He basically essentially. wants to
1: retire. He's just kind of done. Kadia fell, and he's just done. He's done. He's given enough to this Imperium, right? And then you have Obisekra who's like, yes, that is all true. But the enemy is worse, right? Right. Like I, I have seen chaos. I have seen what chaos does to people. I have seen the torture camps. I don't need any of that in my life. Um. Who? So, first off do you sympathize with Malik and Itoyasa? Like, do you, do you?
0: I mean, yes and no. Okay. I understand why Itoyeso is, you know, tired of it. But at the same time that doesn't excuse defecting to the alien race that's going to enslave you and that just shows your own ignorance on that like i understand if you wanted to if you just wanted to disappear you know i get that totally make everyone think that you're dead and go do something else okay i understand that um
1: my death so i could just right basically malik Right, like, look, I'm just going to either get reassigned to a planet, or I'm going to escape to a planet, or I'm going to fake my death. I'm going to do something.
0: Right, and Malik, I would have, and Malik, I understand why he does feel feel that way, but he didn't have to be such an asshole over everything. Fair. Like, well,
1: yeah. Go ahead. I was just
0: going to say, like, you know, why can't you be cool? about it. Like I totally understand. Yes, I understand you're you're buttering up to, you know, Roshanth because you want to become his bodyguard on some cushy planet somewhere and that totally makes sense. I get it. But but you didn't have to make him think that maybe Obasakra is been hired to kill him. You didn't have to start rousing the troops to report to you and not Obasakra under the guise of he doesn't, you know, you know, we don't need to burden him with with alls petty. You didn't have to Tell them, yeah, we're going to kill the crew. You know, there's there's all these things he didn't have to do and he could have played it cool and then I wouldn't have had a big problem with him. But I was not I sorry was... that he died.
1: No, I was not either. Um, I felt as though he was a kind of sympathetic character who was using that sympathy to bad ends, right? Like, oh, I lost my wife and my child on... It's like, okay. like you
0: said, very sympathetic. But then you're... A selfish prick about it and that's kind of where i draw draw the line like you know
1: and you're causing more problems right you're causing like a needless needless death and needless violence which is kind of funny or i guess ironic because on one hand he's just like yep i'm i'm done my planet's dead the imperium doesn't care about us they just keep throwing us at all of this danger they waste our lives they waste all of this it's just terrible i don't like it i want to retire um, all yet, valid points All valid points and yet To get to said retirement You are just needlessly killing people And wasting resources Right So like Are you like, any better than the Imperium you say you want to leave?
0: Right like You want to do this? Totally get it Totally get it but you have to make everybody else's lives Miserable in the process Like you don't know what they want They're Maybe they're fine You know staying staying where they are you don't know or maybe or because i know that he doesn't know because otherwise he would have been he would have been a little more free with his thoughts with the men but he didn't tell them because they're all still very dedicated to the cause whatever the cause is this this day
1: i said on some level that it was somewhat shameful and he misjudged Roshan. Right? Like oh yeah yeah, come on, we'll just go we'll go together to be Because awesome. he pegged we'll him as a,
0: as a as uh, a cowardice commissar. Which is like only he like, says, he's
1: like well because you know, you're a coward and no I'm not. Yeah uh, yeah you are. Like you you misjudged. Right. And um and I it's also interesting because he like oh yeah, this is, I'm just doing this, I'm just doing this. You know what you're doing is shameful and wrong and bad. Exactly. Which
0: like, it's no better than what the general is doing.
1: Exactly. At this point, um, although at least I guess you still wanted to stay as part of the Imperium, you just wanted a cushier job. Um I guess, uh, yeah, I, I just, and I know that it's because the, we, the Imperium keeps people so ignorant, and they just kind of pick up pieces here and there. Like, I was actually surprised that um, Sakura, like, he knew quite a bit, actually.
0: And he um, refused promotions, because he was like, no, I'm gonna be with my men. Yep.
1: And, um, I liked that. I thought that was interesting. Um But Inuyasha, yeah, like, you're gonna go and you're going to go be part of a caste system and yeah, you're going to live a peaceful existence, but that's because the fire cast is the one that's out there fighting all of the wars and all of the fights. And, um, how do you think they get all these planets? Yeah. Some of them, it's bloodless. Some of them, they show up.
0: Right. And
1: one of the really funny things is when he was talking about how he's like, Oh, you know, they would never just sacrifice an entire planet because they didn't want to admit that they made a mistake. Uh, we've read books where they do exactly that. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, they also...
0: They also yeah. believe in breaking some eggs to make an omelet.
1: Yeah. Um, just that, that mind control is a hell of a drug. Um,
0: Well, then all you hear about is the greater good. Oh, it's a communal system. We're all doing, like, this thing to better ourselves. Yeah, well, that's cute. That's cute.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, again... are making like,
0: things the greater all good for the royals. <laughs> exactly.
1: We're all making things better. Right. In a very strict caste system. And right. And you can never rise above your caste because you are... You're not Tau. Nope, that's and your, that's your first strike. Things. Hmm?
0: That's your first strike. You're not Tau.
1: Exactly. Like, you... Yeah, I'm sure it's great if you're a certain caste of the Tau. Um... It very much reminds me of the, and I'm sure that this is where uh, Bioware probably took some inspiration, uh, the Coon. Right? Like, the you will what? never really... The, uh, the Canary. Oh. But the Coon. The Coon, they always say, they're like, there's just, like, yeah, it sounds all great on paper and everything, but not Coon, so, you know. Right, right. Uh, it is, it's awful. And that's like that's what like when people are just like no no no, I really do sympathize with the town. I'm like you lost me at caste system. Right. That's no good friends. I know you lost um, me at mind
0: control personally, but Well, in
1: mind control too. Like our system is so good. We just need to use a pheromonal control system to right. make sure that everybody and we just kill anybody who's like not susceptible to the pheromones. It's fine. It's fine. Um does that make them any much different from the imperium
0: no not really so um, it's, it's just really it's just funny reading but... reading this one as i just finished you know all right, all right everybody get your get your drinks so i just finished scars from horus heresy because that deals with the same thing a lot cuz my favorite line the whole thing is when Dekithai Khan is talking to magnus and he's like the emperor is a tyrant magnus goes that's true he's like but Horus is corrupted Also true So it's like a rock in a hard place You know which is pretty much You know so it's like you know the general's like well The Imperium is is Like so Obisacra The Imperium is tyrant Yes But everything else is so corrupt <laughs> Like you know it was like, just, We're just going to take the lesser I'm, evil mm-hmm. Of things uh, So a lot of Gosh, a, a lot, really a lot of parallels with with that. And um, so that, that was kind of crazy. But I feel like, you know, in many ways, we see that a lot with the Imperium, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, which is worse? And sometimes it's, you know, I guess if you're starving, it's hard to decide what's worse. You know, one thing I, you know, I really laughed about when we were reading um, Adrian Tchaikovsky's book about the gene stealers. It's like, you know, how bad is the Imperium like sucking by, you know, taking these people to be the, um, what is that called? You know, part of the mechanic is to be able to take people the Skatari. As they're harvesting people to join the Skatari against their will, how bad are things that they would rather become gene stealers (laughs) than deal with your rule? I mean, but again, it's like, tyrannical? Corrupt.
1: Well, similar to the town. The Steelers have a little bit of mind control Right And a really good advertising (laughs) I mean Don't you want a third arm? Well, it just, yeah Like, they basically have discovered That in a land of misery, basically all you have to do Is uh, promise Not misery Uh, It actually really reminds me of Grapes of Wrath
0: Oh god, (laughs) yeah Yeah, Yeah. like
1: John Steinbeck would love the 40k universe Let's be real (laughs)
0: <laughs> All this misery, I get to play with so much misery. Born in the forty
1: k universe, um, I don't I mean, have was... to
0: end a book with a happy ending. This is like my jam.
1: Oh my god, Steinbeck would just be like, "God, <laughs> beautiful."
0: <laughs> it, um... God, we could totally <laughs> rewrite *Mice of Men* in the forty k universe, and it would fit.
1: Oh my god, you could rewrite like basically Malick was living. The Grapes of Wrath. That's true, too. There's planets where they build entire, like, they have regiments, Ugh. but they don't ever, like, check in on them, and they don't really make them go anywhere because, they, you know, they just kind of forgot that they exist. And, like, yeah, and everybody gets a house and a white picket fence, right? As you yeah. just walk
0: outside and just pick the peaches off the tree.
1: The oranges right from the tree and then hand, yeah, exactly. Like, it was, I had such hardcore Grapes of Wrath, like, flashbacks reading that because I'm just, like, it's good to know. That the grass is always greener on the other side, even in the 40K universe. Like-, like Well, well I mean,
0: you think like, what, anything's gotta be better than this, right?
1: Right, exactly, and we're on the guard. Like, <laughs> there's there's mystical planets where people live happily ever after, and they're still loyal to the Imperium, but they don't really gotta go do anything, right? Sure, Jan. Um, And when he's talking about how he's just like, yeah, there's entire planets where people just live on pleasure planets and they just don't do anything. Most people are probably either obscenely wealthy or don't really exist and again you got grapes of wrath right. um and then I didn't even have, think about
0: that way have... but that that's such a great comparison
1: it's it is definitely they come to California and pick oranges right um Iessa like oh, yeah, oh
0: yeah same thing yeah you think I didn't you think
1: they're peaceful? that's great
0: uh, I mean that's a
1: yeah like I this love guy that bought into the bullshit and it made me think of um what is the name of that movie um i actually hate it because we saw it when i was uh eight months pregnant um american gangster there's a scene where they're talking with his mother because you know he's just she's just like oh my son is so good and he's such a good boy he takes care of his mother and blah blah blah, blah." did you ever wonder where the stuff comes from he just gets it for me Mm-hmm. yeah okay good talk like same thing like you ever wonder how the tau take over planets right really did you did you notice that you were currently fighting the Tau right now like that's kind of what you guys are on this planet for it, it ain't just one side it's not like the tower are like no don't fight us right the dark angels from war of secrets would really love to have a word with you <laughs> throwing that out there um it was, this was, this was a great guard book. It had basically everything that I look for in a guard book. It had great characters, very human moments. Um, it Was broken up beautifully into yep. kind of a horror story of varying levels. Um,
0: you brought in some, you brought in environmental horror as well, which I do, I do like actually, like we I talked do. about this before, how that's like actually one of the favorite things about playing Bioshock is the environment, Is more of environmental horror than it is in anything else. So, right. You know, and it taps into, like, some of the fears that we had. Like, this was just so great on on so, so many levels. Like I so said, the only complaint I had was that we didn't have any, like, resolution or anything with the aussad We just know it's some great, terrible beast that um, Amazai was like, it surfaces? That's it. <laughs> like
1: Which... I liked... Uh, you know what? But again, it's like... Do you remember when we read Steel Tread? They get to... <laughs> They get to the end and there's that one chaos space Marine, right? Who's like, and this is my plan cut away because our characters aren't listening to that. And then it gets destroyed and that's basically it, right? Like it's the life of the guard. Oh, that's futurist problem. Right? Right. It's just the players. And now we got to deal with the town. No, I mean, I totally get that. I, I agree is... with you. I was too kind of like, oh, but I wanted to see that. Um, but on the other hand, that wasn't their lot in life, this book. What's next book?
0: I hope there's a next book.
1: You know what? Because we still Eduardo got the tower to fight. Is, uh, Eduardo Albert is definitely one of my new favorite authors.
0: Oh the yeah. Author the Black oh
1: History. yeah. I the mean. Second book in that I've just loved.
0: Yep. Mm hmm. Totally what agree. One hundred percent. My gosh, he's a great character writer. I, I, like I. This was great. Absol- yes, absolutely, absolutely great.
1: Don't go the way you're expecting them You know, to. and
0: I was actually expecting, I was like, you know, I'm getting kind of astramilitarum fatigue in a way. Which, you know, is just funny because, like, well, it's like, oh, well, aren't you just tired of reading space marines all the time? Well, the answer for me is no. But not only that, because they were Cadians, It's like, I'm really not looking forward to this book. And this just exceeded all expectations. And I had a great time with it. Like, I... um the only reason I listened to it was for the our drive down to Thanksgiving, and everything. And I even went walking a couple of mornings just so I could have time to listen to this. And I almost like went like if it hadn't started raining, I might have gone like another mile just so I could keep on listening. But yeah, was, I can't say enough good things about it.
1: Highly recommend. Um, definitely one of my new favorite authors. And yep. fortunately, our next book is going to be one of our other new favorite authors within the warhammer 40k catalog which is mike brooks and Harrowmaster. um
0: alpha legion yo
1: <laughs> i struggle so much because i hate the alpha legion and yet i'm like beyond excited to read this book i think it's because friend of the show penny mauser uh she pinged me after she got it i think she said she read it like in one day oh my gosh like, you guys are gonna love this book So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited. I'm hyped for it. We like Mike Brooks. I like what he does with the Alpha Legion. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been a while since we read a good chaos, chaos, question mark, space marine (laughs) novel. Um, And as you said, we read a lot of, we read a lot of non-space marines this year. We read quite a bit of space marines too, but we read quite a bit of non-space marines. So I'm just kind of ready for some bolter porn. Not going to lie to you.
0: If there's bolter porn. I mean, is the awful Legion?
1: Yeah that's true.
0: It could just be uh, like, you know infiltrating everybody. Never know with them.
1: yeah, I'm actually i'm I'm looking at the back of the book now. I'm very excited about it. Um, so it's a good way to end the year, too, I think. and the good news is that we will finish it right before we get to our awards,
0: yeah, but we are squeezing in one more book for Christmas.
1: We are squeezing in one more book for Christmas, which we will get to after this one, which will be Dagabo's De Demise. Um, speaking of Mike Brooks, <laughs> D'Agobo's Revenge last year was so much fun. Um, I'm excited to see what Denny Flowers can do mm-hmm. with D'Agobo.
0: Our favorite little orc. Our oh, favorite Christmas orc.
1: Our famous Christmas git. Um, grot. Um, I... I'm actually really. I hope that the Black Library keeps up with Dagabo as like a yearly tradition for Christmas, and it's not just a flash in the pan. It's really fun. It's as fun as James' workshop.
0: Well, so. I thought it was just you know a thing for last year, but I guess it did so I, well. They were like, "Well, wait, let's keep doing this."
1: Yes, you're right. Keep doing this. Next thing I want to see as a book with the goth rocker.
0: <clears throat> that is kind of funny. That
1: was amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, do you want to take a step, Carrie?
0: Yeah, sure will. So you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding the khauser by Eduardo Albert. Be sure to join us next time for Renegades Harrowmaster by Mike Brooks. Uh, Remember, we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and the podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode please like subscribe give a review and all those good things to the vidcast on youtube or the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books so please stay a while and read from a crack. you know i'm gonna s- sign out by saying get you some cerulean
1: to some scaly boys <clears throat>
0: I'm so sorry. No, you're not. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Good night.